It's basic economics. I know, because I know a little bit about economics. It's basic to talk about supply and demand, to learn about it, to know about it. I remember in high school, it was one of my, a great subject to learn about economics. And I thought, hey, this is really great. And then, for whatever reason, in preparation to be a pastor, we had to take an economics class. And that's where I learned that a lot of theories, but I wasn't sure anybody really knew what he or she was talking about. And I guess today proves it, as does every age in this command. But supply and demand, that's really pretty basic. You have a great supply of that, even more than enough. And the demand, well, it's met, and even more than met. And so the price, not so high. But when the supply is limited, and even not enough, the demand is high, uh, very high. And if there's none whatsoever, no supply, well, then we've got a problem. And Jesus, for whatever he knew about economics, knew that being at a wedding and being told there's no wine, he knew there was a problem. And probably he started to think, I can do something about this. Reminds me of the supply chain that we've got today, where we don't have enough of what we need or want at the moment. But in Cana, in Galilee, Jesus shows he can provide. He can provide so much, even more than what we need, to be sure. May be familiar, this incident. We may have heard it. We may know it in our minds. We certainly just heard it. But there's a lot. There's an awful lot to remember or to know or to take to heart. God Jesus provides in abundance, and he provides in extraordinary kind of ways. I read, in thinking about all this, studying all of this, somebody put together a description of how water might change into wine. The chemical reactions, the kind of things would have had to happen in order from one substance to become another. I made my head spin, <laughs> like a lot of heads spin over economics. But really, that is not the point. The point is we have a miracle. They had a miracle that Jesus did. And I wish, in some ways, I wish I could have been there in Jesus' day. And I certainly wish I could have been there to see, uh, perhaps, to hear, uh, to taste that wine, and, and to recognize it as a miracle. A miracle come from God. I'd I believe, wouldn't you believe? The disciples did. And St. John records that this was the first of his miraculous signs performed in Cana of Galilee. The first. The first altogether. The very first miracle. Well, that's certainly possible. Was it the first in Cana? That could be too. What kind of first? Interesting, but not really the point. The point was, well, we may know that for sure. We may not know that for sure. 
What we do know is what Jesus did, and that it was a miraculous sign. A miracle, something only God could do, something only Jesus could pull off, and that it was a miraculous sign. As you read the Gospel of John, by the way, every miracle, as we call it, that Jesus did is labeled as a sign, a sign of something. In the fourth chapter of his Gospel, John refers to all these things that Jesus did as part of the signs and wonders that took place in Jesus' ministry. A sign, as Pastor Sean was talking about with the kids, points to something. And it points to something that's unseen. We think about it a little bit higher level than the little kids. A sign points to something. So, like, like flowers. One gives another person flowers. And it's not just about flowers. It points to something greater, something unseen, that is love. Whether it is at a special day or at a funeral or whatever, those flowers are a sign of something heartfelt from one person to another or even more. So, so calling what Jesus did a miraculous sign, what does that point toward? What does that say? Something we couldn't see, but something we can know. At least two things. Jesus is God. Only God can do such things as Jesus did. And it was God in person, in the flesh, Jesus, who did that. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't a sleight of hand. It was something only God could do and did in his son, Jesus. But it also tells us clearly that when God provides, it is in abundance. 120 to 180 gallons of wine? Uh, I would say that's an abundance, wouldn't you? That's a lot to take in, and that's a lot to drink, even for a party involved with a wedding. And it happened. And it happens even today that God provides and in abundance. You know, there's some people say, no, 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 God doesn't provide. We're on our own. We're on our own. God, whatever he did before, no more. That's a lack of faith that speaks. Some would say this is just a made-up story to make it look like Jesus was really a great guy and even more than a great guy. And some would deny this whole business. And some of those people may say, well, maybe. Maybe he did this or something like this once. But God doesn't do that anymore. He either didn't do it all together in Jesus or it was a one-time thing and that's it. We don't need any more miracles because we're here. Because we can provide for what we need. But people like you and me gathered here today, we wouldn't say that. We would, like the disciples, believe. We would understand that this was a sign, a sign that Jesus was more than just appeared to people's eye. And we, too, would believe. And we do believe, even as we read the record of this, as a sign that Jesus is God 
and that God provides. It reminds me of something that happened long before in Old Testament days. Remember Abraham? Sure, absolutely. God gave him a promise of a land of blessing and that he would become a great nation. Abraham and Sarah waited and waited and waited for the down payment of that great nation. And it came in the child Isaac. Isaac grew up, and as an older child, God said to Abraham, give him back. Give him back to me in a sacrifice. And you can't imagine, I can't, how Abraham's heart must have broke or almost became broken. But Abraham obeyed. And up the mountain of Moriah with his son they went And Abraham laid his son on the altar, was about to end his son's life when God said, stop. He said, stop, and he provided a ram, a sign, a sign of his provision other than what he first mentioned. And Abraham rejoiced. And you know what he named that place? The Lord will provide. He provided for Abraham, and he provides for people. Abraham noted, and he called the place Jehovah Jireh. That is, in our language, the Lord will provide. It became, by way of understanding, the foundation for Solomon's temple, the basis for the praise to God. And like Abraham, Jesus' miracle is a sign that God provides. He, may, he does. He performs miracles today, extraordinary miracles. If only we look. If only we notice. If only we will understand. Go to a hospital. Look at what the doctors, nurses, and healthcare professionals do. Ask them, and they will tell you God works beyond what they do. He works through it, but he works even beyond it. They've seen miracles. They talk about those miracles. They happen there. They happen in homes, these provisions, in factories, in schools, in homes, any place, wherever. Signs that God points us to him, that he's behind it all, that Jesus is a part of his work. Miraculous signs, just like they were intended to be and turned out to be to those who witnessed them in Jesus' day. Extraordinary ways God provides, but also, also in very ordinary ways. Yeah, God provides that way too, like in crises. You know, He sends deliverance through the kinds of people I just mentioned, but even Sometimes in a crisis, we don't know how it gets resolved. We scratch our heads and wonder, something happened here. That something is God. He's the one that in ordinary ways, perhaps, as well as extraordinary ways, provides with something that's right there. And no doubt you've experienced that as well. But he also... He also provides in everyday kinds of ways and everyday kinds of needs. You know, you look at a child and you ask a child, you know, where did the milk come from that's in your glass? 
And that child will say, well, from the carton sitting on the table. Well, where did that come? Oh, the refrigerator. Well, how did it get in the refrigerator? Well, it came from the store. Well, where did the store get it? From the farm? Oh, the farm. Well, where did the farm get the milk? From the cow. And where did the cow get it? And you go back and back and back, and where do you end up? With God. With God who uses things, who uses animals, who uses circumstances and people to provide. Okay, so you know I like hockey. In fact, I even stayed up to midnight to watch a little bit of my game last night. Probably too long, especially the way it turned out. But there's a great story, a hockey story, that maybe you've read about even if you're not a fan. The newest team in the league, the Seattle Krakens. They were playing the Vancouver Canucks early in the season. And as you see here on the, left, on the right-hand side of the screen, that's the equipment manager with someone behind him noticing something. And Nadia, her name, noticed a mole on the back of the equipment manager's neck. And she gave that little signal, that message through her phone. The mole on your back is possibly cancerous. Please go see a doctor. Amazing. An everyday act through an everyday person. He did, it was cancerous, and it was cured. God used the circumstance, her right behind the bench, the phone, the circumstance, all together, he provided, greatly provided. Look at your own life, your own circumstance, and with the eyes of faith, look around you, and you will see. If all this seems like I'm preaching to the choir, they're not there. <laughs> you are the choir. And, and maybe this is familiar. Maybe you know this truth. But know it again today. Remember it. Take it to heart one more time with eyes wide open. The eyes of faith. That see the things that so often we don't think about. The things that we fail to see but are right in front of our eyes. Because, you see, sometimes we forget. Even we who believe. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes if we don't think it in these terms, the terms that it's all about us, we act like it. We think like it. That it all falls back on our shoulders. And we've got to provide for ourselves, for others. You know, it's especially the man, uh, the husband, but also the woman, the wife, who feels a burden or responsibility of being the provider. And it's easy. While it's true and while we have roles, whether man or woman as a provider, you take away the health of that person. And that person's going to feel helpless. That person is going to feel badly because she or he can't provide. And there's some hard lessons to be learned. But a great lesson to be learned is God provides. We may not see it, we may not see it right away, but it's true. And if only when we look back in time, and look back over our shoulders in faith, we can see it. Catch this, because it's important. God uses people. He uses people like you and me to provide for the weak, for the sick, the poor, 
He did and he does and he will again and again. Many occupations, whether they know this or not, are led to help people and to help provide. And Christians especially, many, have this in mind and go to their vocation, do their job for this very reason, that they can do something in the name of Christ, that God can do something in them and through them to help others. It's important, and we as Christians can see, we want to see God at work in us as well as others. So that what the psalmist said we can own, Psalm 145, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing in lots of ways, directly, indirectly, even through people like you and me. If we see some things not provided for, some people who don't have the provisions they want or need, especially need, you know what? We ought to look at ourselves and say, has the Lord provided? Am I the stopper in all this? Am I what's holding up the supply chain? And we need to think about, there's enough food to feed the world. There's enough of most everything we need and people need to provide. And God has given that. But what about us? What about our role as God would work through us? Now, understand, God doesn't need us. Understand? God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me to get all this done. But he's chosen you and he's chosen me. It's a privilege to be able to work with God, to have God work in us and through us. It's a sign of his love, a responsibility that he gladly gives us. Well, go back to Cana for a moment. Go back to Jesus. Go back to the disciples who were also at the wedding and, and Mary, his mother. And remember what Mary told Jesus. They're out of wine. Whatever role, whatever reason, she said it. And Jesus said, you know, it's not my time. My hour has not yet come. Two things come to mind as I hear through these words Jesus say that. When Jesus said, my hour, as we read the whole gospel, and as he used that little phrase, my hour, it was about his suffering and it was about his death. As we read the gospel, as his life unfolded, that's how Jesus referred to it. The right time, the hour. You see, it's all about timing. And when the time came, it wasn't always the time. And Jesus would say that. It wasn't the time to go to the cross. But when his hour came, he did go to the cross. John, God, maybe wanted us to think in those terms when Jesus at this point in his life said his hour had not yet come. But, but clearly, in an everyday sense, he meant it, it's not time yet for me to be a part of the solution. But he was a part of the solution. Because God knows. He knows when. He knows where. He knows how. Jesus, God, knew when, where, and how. It's amazing. You should think about it. To bring back to mind, to say thanks to God as we talk about saying thanks at the end of such readings. And here's something you and I can count on. 
It's what Paul wrote, the very words of God to the Christians at Philippi. God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I can say those words in faith. Can you say them? Can you say them with me? Like even right now. May God, my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Hear those words, own those words, speak those words in thanks. God is supplied, supply and demand even more than enough. The demand, the need is there. More than enough he has and will continue to offer. Believe it. Count on it in faith and rejoice and give thanks. Amen.